0: conductive wire. And you so electric. I had no say when you came so near. And just passed right through me.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and I am joined today by another brand new guest, Andrew Cram. And we are talking all about the 2000 film Gone in 60 Seconds. It is the remake, technically. I have not watched the original, which I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is a remake, but Andrew, how are you doing today?
0: I'm really good. I never thought I'd be doing a podcast about Gone in 60 seconds, so I guess you could you could say that I'm really thriving right now. <laughs>
1: Well, since it's your first time on the podcast, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little about yourself?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, so my name is Andrew Cram. I, too, have a podcast called Where Are All My Friends? It's kind of about the entrepreneurial friends that I have, mostly in music and their come-up stories and the pivotal moments that really define their careers. Um, And as much as that is a bit of a more serious thing... I'm a huge nerd and I love talking jokes and a bunch of just random, any trivia things. So when you were talking to me about this, I was like, oh, yes, please. So I think that's pretty much me. I have a background in a lot of music, toured with bands, managed bands, worked at labels. So mostly a music person and happened to love Cars and happened to love the absolute smash hit Gone 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage from the year 2000.
1: It certainly is a wild ride when you watch this movie, and it's one I'm pretty sure I had seen, but I think I was pretty young when I watched it, so I didn't remember a lot of it. I remembered Nicolas Cage and Angelina Jolie and Cars, and that's about all I remember from it. But you also have just this crazy cast because you have, you know, Giovanni Ribisi, you have Chi McBride, you have Robert Duvall, you just have all of these characters- Like Scott Kahn coming in and playing sort of like this stout buff dude. And it's just such a fun cast that they were able to pull together for this. And you never really know what to expect personality wise when you have sort of these heist movies. It really felt like they had a character with every kind of personality almost.
0: Yeah. It's such a funny movie because I don't know if you have the the critic reviews the scores but i don't think that it scored all that high and watching it again i watched it again recently because i knew we were going to do this podcast and not only do they have every character type it's funny the way that the movie aged right because their character types are so over the top and so ridiculous that it like aged in this hilariously like cheesy but perfect way in my opinion (laughs)
1: Yeah. And thankfully for a lot of the stuff, they had stunt drivers and practical effects. So at least from that aspect, it aged pretty well. It wasn't a totally unwatchable movie. Like, sometimes you'll watch stuff from the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, even now, and you're just like, oh my goodness, how did we ever watch movies like this? But with this, at least, you have this element to it where you're like, okay, this isn't on the same stage as like, how ridiculous the Fast and the Furious movies have been getting. So mm-hmm. you at least know that you're going to have some good car scenes in this still. No cars are going to drop out of planes or anything like that. And I think it was just sort of this refreshing, fun movie to watch, even though there's very high stakes in it.
0: Yeah, it's just like a fun, easy to watch like heisty stealing cars happens really fast like it happens in a couple days and again i was telling you i didn't want to dig too deep into your podcast to know like i kind of like just coming at it fresh so i don't know if most of these are like very serious movies and people talk about like the the perfect editing and then this is and the that's, but this is my lovably crappy movie that I don't actually think is crappy and I sort of just love it.
1: I like that you came into this fresh, but I have covered every single MCU movie. So serious is not necessarily something we have to be on this podcast. <laughs> so it's always fun to just get to know other people's favorite movies too, because I had actually done an episode super, super early on just on Nicolas Cage in general, because I have another friend who loves Nicolas Cage movies, even the really, really bad ones. So I was like, okay, we have quite a few of them. So I am Mm -hmm. willing to dive into some crazy Nicolas Cage. And since then I've watched things like Mandy and just some other wacky movies that he's been in. And he isn't, too over the top in this until i think the very end when he's just going after the guy who wants to kill his brother and him by the end of it and then yeah, you see Raymond the crazy Kalitri. come out and you're just like yes this is what i live for <laughs> with nicholas cage movies
0: it's so good but you're right he does he stays so civil and good and for most of it it's a it's a believable ish story my all-time favorite nicholas cage quote and line is from this movie it's him explaining why he was a car thief and like he's talking to his his younger brother kip and kip's all mad at him he's like you left you left home and you did it all and you left me on my own and why'd you do it whatever and you did it for the money like kind of just like mad and coming up with his own reasons and then Nicolas cage memphis reigns i hope i can do this he he like looks all deep and pensive and he looks to his brother and he's like I didn't do it for the money. I did it for the cars. Yeah. (laughs) Gleaming in marina blue and sunfire yellow, Marlboro red, just begging to be plucked. And he like pauses. (laughs) And he's like, so I do it. I just boost them. And I just blast to Palm Springs. (laughs) And I think about that line so much. I don't know why it's so good and so funny to me. (laughs)
1: It's just one of those classic Nicolas Cage lines where you're like, he is taking this so seriously right now and it's really funny, but really good at the same time.
0: Uh, I love it. It's so good. And now that like I live in California, being able to drive to Palm Springs, anytime we go to Palm Springs, we'll just be like, blast to Palm Springs. <laughs> That's such a far drive to steal a car and drive all the way out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because people who haven't lived in Southern California probably don't realize just how much there is to it because you say Southern California and everyone pretty much assumes LA, but you were saying before this, you lived in San Diego. I lived in Orange County. There's so much to Southern California that despite how many years i lived there, I don't think I ever crossed that bridge. That is in the movie for that big jump at the end. It's just one of those things where if you don't go to certain areas, you don't go to certain areas. It's not like everyone in Southern California has been to every place in Southern California because there's just so many. But to be able to recognize at least parts of the scenery in this movie and the fact that a lot of it takes place in Long Beach and San Pedro versus L.A. Really, you're just like okay, you know they're kind of going for the port cities, you know, you know that's going to play a factor into the story. And really, this story is all about Memphis trying to save Kip's life yep. because he literally has to save him from being crushed first, and then he has to go steal fifty cars. So while it is a car movie, there are like I said earlier high stakes, but the story doesn't overwhelm you the cars take over and then you're just so enthralled in how they're going to steal 50 cars in one night and with you being a car guy yeah was this a movie that you had watched previously before you got into cars or were you always into cars when you watched this what made you really love the car element to this
0: you know that's a really good question and i think you know this came out in 2000 so i would have been 10 years old and At that time, you didn't really have access to the internet. You know, I see a lot of 10-year-old kids now, and they can watch videos on YouTube of opening a toy or, like, their favorite cartoon or their favorite anything. Uh, I, I think, like, seeing that, like, as a child, I think you have that desire to see the thing that you're interested in and any bit of it is so crazy and cool. So you would tune in and watch TV to watch your favorite cartoon or whatever because you thought like Goku had crazy cool hair or something (laughs) like that. And like, that was your only access. You couldn't like find other anime or find things like that. Yeah. So when it came to Cars, I had loved Cars since I was like super, super small. Like my first ever toy that I ever got like at the toy store, like with my dad, brings me to the toy store and I point to a little toy Porsche and I'm like, that so like f- whatever that was from day one i was all about it and i think being 10 there weren't a ton of car movies out mm-hmm. so nicholas cage's cheesy acting or however good or bad a storyline when you're 10 you don't care to me i was just like this movie has so many cars and that's awesome and i think that that was like just the way to see something that i liked so much And seeing so many cool cars in a movie, you know, because there wasn't, I guess, eh, it's kind of rare that a movie will be based around cars. So anything like that, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever.
1: Yeah. And it's not like at 10 years old, you're really super into old films or anything like that. So you probably hadn't seen the original Gone in 60 Seconds or something like the original Italian Job, which is a heist movie. They're not stealing cars, but they're using, you know, Mini Coopers and it kind of gave you this iconic look
0: totally, with
1: that theme throughout the movie. And then now, you know, there are 1,800 Fast and Furious movies that you can go watch. I've honestly lost track of how many there are. I think I've only seen like the first four, I want to say, maybe. Maybe I've seen Fast Five. I can't even keep track because there are so many. And then you have movies like the Need for Speed movie with Aaron Paul, and you have all of the Bond movies technically too, have amazing cars, in them. you know, yeah. so there aren't a lack of movies with cars necessarily. But on this scale, it's really like this and a bunch of the Fast and the Furious movies, if you want a plethora of cars to just sit there and gawk at the entire time. And with yeah. you being a car guy, was there any car in particular that you saw in this that you were just so excited to see?
0: You know it's funny when I when I looked back and watched it again to talk about this, the opening scene is Giovanni Ribisi's character Kip Rains breaking into a Porsche dealership and stealing a silver 911 Carrera. And I remember as a kid, he then breaks out of the dealership and then races an EM1 Honda Civic SI. And I didn't know what those were, but I knew that it was him racing a Porsche and it was him racing against like a tuner car. And I watch it back now and the 996 kind of became the bastard child of like the Porsche 911. Like it was the first water cooled Porsche that they had. It just didn't age as well as the others. So seeing that just spinning in that showroom is so funny to me because I don't think that that age, like it's a perfect you know, representation of the year 2000 yeah. at a Porsche dealership. But that's funny to me. That stood out a lot. Cause I remember that scene. And I, at that time I was just like, Whoa, cool. Nine 11. But now I see it and I'm like, ooh, they filmed at the time that they had the worst one. <laughs> um, but I always love those now. Like now I kind of think I like them more than most people because of that. Other cars that stand out, the hero car, the the Shelby GT350 yes. at the end, Eleanor, that to me was never, like I never was huge into muscle cars But even with that, they made it look so cool. And like that whole scene, you can't not love that car. And now every time I see one of those, I'm just like, Eleanor. (laughs) So that's funny. There's a scene where they break into a Ferrari dealership, or he goes and visits the Ferrari dealer to see what they have in the warehouse that he can steal. And in the background, there's an F430. Sorry if this is just pure gibberish.
1: No, it's all good.
0: (laughs) Okay. Anybody that's into cars would listen to this and be like, nice. And anyone else is like, I gotta go, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. But there's an F40 in the showroom in the background, which is amazing. And then when they break in, I remember the first time I watched it, seeing just a warehouse of Ferraris. And I was like, whoa, that's so crazy. Um, Those those are probably the ones that stand out the most to me.
1: Yeah, I am someone who is very familiar with all of the car makers themselves. But if anyone asked me about models, I'm just like, I don't know. But mm-hmm. the one car that I really, really love for not being a car person is the Mustang. And I'm all for like the 65 to 68 era of Mustangs. Yeah, And I actually tried to convince my parents to buy me one. as <laughs> my first car, you know, Whoa. not like a super fancy $80,000 one or anything like that. And That did not happen, but it was just something, I don't know why, but I just really, really love that car. So seeing this 67 Shelby in this, I was like, oh my goodness, it is just so pretty, so pretty. And then you hear it at the end when they kind of get the parts back and they are going to redo it and auto is going to you know make sure it looks all nice and clean but it's a total rust bucket and you just hear it and it sounds like it's going to fall apart (laughs) i was like this is just so perfect of the various conditions that you could have a mustang in and it's still such a cool car
0: I agree with you as I I don't think regardless being a car enthusiast, anything like that is just an era. That is a time and a vehicle that is so just universally loved and so iconic and cool. Again, I actually haven't seen the original gun in 60 seconds. I would assume that they steal one of those, but that's a cool car that will, I think forever age well.
1: Yeah, I'm tempted to find the original because it came out in 74. So you have to imagine they have a ton of 60s muscle cars that they're trying to steal. And that would just be so fun to see and compare, you know, what types of cars they were getting. And I think the ones that I was the least impressed with maybe were the new Mercedes cars because they kind of just looked like your typical two door. Fancier, luxurious cars. And then the 2000 Escalade or 99 Escalade, whichever year it ended up being, I was just like, that kind of just looks like a suburban.
0: Yeah, that's true. There are a couple cars in it on the list where you're like, man, that car's worth like less than 10k right now. Like that is so funny.
1: Yeah, my mom was like, isn't that just a Suburban? I was like, no, it's an Escalade, but it looks like a Suburban.
0: Yeah, and you're right, those Mercedes, like those were like S-line Mercedes, but now like they've just did not age well and they're not worth anything but that like the whole part in the movie where they're like we need to get laser cut special keys (laughs) and it's like
1: oh my god and then the dog scene
0: yeah i feel like a lot of people remember the dog scene so i have a funny story uh we were gonna watch it like i told my roommates i'm like yo i'm gonna do this podcast on this movie i'm gonna re-watch it we have like a pretty cool like projector set up in our living room nice. so i like made it into like a movie night and one of my roommates totally joking he's like isn't that the movie or like something about nicholas cage and he's like can we watch the one without nicholas cage not knowing that there was original like an original so i like send to our group chat that and he's like god damn it (laughs) yeah that was a really funny scene and a lot of my roommates remembered the the dog the dog poop scene too yeah what other cars angelina jolie pulls up in a jaguar xj 220 that she casually steals i thought that was awesome she's just
1: so casual about everything in this movie it's so fantastic
0: (laughs) i don't think everyone realized that she was like that angelina jolie was the female lead in this movie
1: yeah that was one of the few things i remembered because it's hard to forget that look for me because it's like, okay, blonde Angelina with kind of dread-like hair. How do you forget that?
0: (laughs) Right? It's such like a, I don't know, just that era, everything that that captured and what did they call their like super, their, their young technology friend that puts the fake fingerprints on, like, I'm not going to remember his name, but like, Even just his style, like his super fast glasses and like...
1: Mirror Man?
0: Mirror Man, yes! Like every bit of it is just this style that is not current, but it's so perfectly period correct. I
1: think they took that from the original movie, actually, because there's a guy who looks very similar in character to Mirror Man, just in the stills that I saw when I went and looked up the movie real quick. I was like, okay, so it looks like they kind of played on the same character types and everything like that. There is a main woman in the old movie, I believe. But yeah, I'm very tempted to go find that now and see if it's streaming somewhere, (laughs) easy to find at least, so I can make those comparisons. Because I didn't remember a ton about this movie, other than those few things I mentioned earlier with the cast and the fact that there were a lot of cars. So getting to watch this again in a 2020 lens, you're like, I see the 2000 (laughs) elements to this. But in the end, it's just such a fun time. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not the greatest movie ever made by any means. You know, it's not like it's Shawshank Redemption (laughs) or something. That's like this super serious... (laughs) movie that has a statement to make, but it's just one of those movies, like a lot of the Fast and Furious movies, you can just put it on and have a good laugh during it. And yeah. speaking of laughs, I know you want to talk about Timothy Oliphant's character, the oh. you know, second rate detective kind of, you know, the sidekick detective as you called him.
0: Can we please
1: I will let you take the reins on this one. Okay. Pun intended.
0: So <laughs> Memphis and Randall Rains, or no, not Randall Rains. Was it? No, it's yes. Kip Rains.
1: It's Randall and Kip, but carry on.
0: Okay. 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 So <laughs> Timothy Oliphant, am I saying that right? I think so. <laughs> Plays the, the detective, the, like the backup, the partner detective. And I didn't realize it until I was watching again, but he has so many one liners. Like it's as if they wrote the movie and they're like, All right, we need a one liner guy. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's all he does. But they're they're scouting the old Mercedes, um, and it's nighttime and Nicolas Cage sees the FBI agents like waiting for him to like make a move on the car, and he like gets spooked and walks away. And uh Detective Drykoff, his character, is <laughs> says we got a minivan pulling up, and it's a little late for soccer practice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's it. And then <laughs> the the cop that gets bashed through the wall at the end. Yeah, they like pull up to his like completely totaled car, and he's like, "Are you all right?" And then I guy's like, "I think so." And he's like, "Are you sure? Because you just went through a wall,
1: like ever." <laughs> that was one I wrote down too because I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is getting so ridiculous." And you had texted me while I was watching. The movie, and you were like, "I want to talk about this guy's lines specifically." So then I was like, "Okay, I'll write a few down." And the one, the link you sent me earlier, I was like, "Oh yeah, these are kind of the ones I wrote down." But there was one earlier with the dirty ladies, and Memphis yes. notices that there's a van parked, I think, two houses down. That was previously parked four houses down, and I love how they just straight up pull into people's driveways. <laughs> <laughs> in this but then you know memphis walks away from the car and the guy's kind of like oh, i'm probably going to misquote this a little but the gist of it was oh we might as well roll the window down and wave at him
0: yes we might as well roll down the windows and wave but like the delivery is so funny yeah because i imagine like the director i imagine them being like No, no 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 more campy like, how do you like every single line was such just this lofty, ridiculous one liner statement. And that was his whole role. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, man, this guy can drive. And then Castleback looks at me and says, what? And he says, well, oh, it's probably mostly a car. Like everything is just comedic relief in a way where it's like, I didn't catch it at first. And you go back and you're like, this guy is awesome.
1: Yeah, it was just so funny, because then I started actively noticing it even more after you texted me, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is all this guy lives for in this movie.
0: It's the whole movie. And then when I was looking at IMDb, I realized something else that blew my mind is Timothy Oliphant plays... Do you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm?
1: I do not, but I am familiar.
0: Oh, okay. So that's like one of my favorite shows. And there's an episode in the new season where there's a character that's like marrying one of their friends. Okay. And his name's Mickey. And there's this whole episode where they fly down to Mexico to go to their wedding, to Mickey and this other person's wedding. And Mickey's like kind of a dick, but like this really like charismatic, good looking dude. And Larry David like has a hunch about him he's just like i don't like him and he keeps going to his manager jeff to be like what am i picking up here what's going on and for some reason unlike jeff and any other person or character he's like i won't say a bad thing about mickey you're not going to get me to say a bad thing about him and i'm looking at imdb and i'm like oh my god detective oliphant is mickey (laughs) so that was a crazy full circle moment for me I didn't do too much other like digging to see where the cast is now, but I would be curious if there was other people from Gone in 60 Seconds that have gone on to do crazy things.
1: I can tell you that two of them were in Hawaii 5 together, but other than that- No way! Not a whole lot. Yeah, Chi McBride and Scott Kahn both ended up in the Hawaii 5 remake. I- had watched it. I watch a lot of like procedurals as mindless TV. It's the stuff I do while I'm multitasking and doing other stuff. But Perfect. it was just so funny because for the most part, She McBride looked the same, but Scott Kahn had like the gnarly sideburns going on. <laughs> and I feel like using the word gnarly to describe them is very 2000s appropriate.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's so funny. Yeah, I don't know. um, I don't know many others, but...
1: Oh, Giovanni Ribisi was recently in Sneaky Pete, which he was really great in. So if anyone hasn't checked that out, it's an Amazon Prime show. And there are, I think, four seasons of it, I want to say. It's pretty fun.
0: Oh, yeah. He went on to have a pretty successful career, huh?
1: Yeah. And he's a con artist in that. So it's just kind of like a different kind of heist movie, almost.
0: Perfect. So leave it to Giovanni Ribisi to be in some kind of heist movie.
1: Yeah. And this, you can get four seasons of it. So, you know, check out Sneaky Pete, for sure, if you haven't and you like his character in this. But obviously, Angelina Jolie and Nicolas Cage are the two massive names in this now, even though I think Angelina Jolie is kind of slowed down a little with the movie making, but she just had such a run from like the mid 2000s until whenever she slowed down.
0: (laughs) yeah she really really did
1: early 2000s i should say
0: yeah i mean she's probably like at a point where she's just like chilling she's probably got enough wealth and she's probably got like a family and she's like well that was tight
1: she has like 18 kids it's i think it's eight but it's a lot
0: (laughs) yeah who did who's she married to
1: she was married to brad pitt but i think they're split up now
0: okay okay i knew it was like a crazy celebrity but i wasn't sure okay makes sense
1: but they like adopted kids and then had kids that i think was so i lost track of how many they had so.
0: yeah crazy crazy and then yeah nicholas cage i mean i he is he is an easy one for people to make fun of but i'm just saying every time i watch a nick cage film i'm having a good time <laughs> <laughs> isn't Mandy that what it's all tough. about uh, i'll Mandy admit that crazy, it was not huh?
1: nearly as fun, I would say, as some of his movies. But if you're looking for an over the top Nicolas Cage performance, that is definitely a movie you should check out. And every time I watch him in something, he always has these moments like at the end of this where he just goes all out and you're like, Yep, this this is his thing. This is his signature move here in all yeah, of his movies goes. pretty much. And you can either like his movies or not like his movies. You know, everyone has their own opinion, but like you, I personally find a lot of his stuff fairly entertaining
0: yeah oh yeah i love it him and face off i could eat a peach for hours i love (laughs) it i love nick cage i can't get enough what's your favorite nick cage film
1: oh man i honestly have no idea he's done so many
0: (laughs) (laughs) he really has he really, really has done many more than you would think.
1: Yeah, let's see here. We're gonna do some live follow up here. He has a credit in a hundred and three yes. different things. Some no are in post production, so we can expect lots more Nicholas Cage in the next few years or something, whenever the movies open back up again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, that's the thing is he'll do all sorts of indie movies. Like there'll be so many movies where it's not just like this big blockbuster smash. And you'll be like, wait a minute, how yeah. has he done this many movies? <laughs> I can't keep up nowadays.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he was ghostwriter before Marvel really hit their stride. And you just have so many random things in his career. I think I watched Snake Eyes semi-recently, and I was just like, what is this?
0: Yeah. Well, I don't even know what Snake Eyes is. What is that?
1: All I know is that <laughs> it takes place at a boxing match. <laughs> and Perfect. he is a detective who is in the middle of a murder conspiracy. <laughs> and it's just such a wild thing. Oh, it's an Atlantic City casino. So there was like a big boxing match going on and there was a murder. And it was just madness from the start. And he wears like these Crazy jackets sometimes. If you look at the poster for it, you're just like, oh, okay, he's like in a Hawaiian shirt looking blazer type thing. And it's just like pure Nicolas Cage. And it has. A decent cast, too. It has him, Gary Sinise, John Hurd, Carla Gugino. So you'll definitely recognize a lot of other people in the movie if you check it out. I think it was on Netflix or something. But yeah, I mean, Con Air is a classic of his, too. Oh, so Con you Air. just have movies that became almost instant classics and then you have movies that are just so wild but like something like snake eyes that you hadn't even heard of but Mm
0: -hmm. i
1: only happened to hear of it because i was browsing netflix as one does and you you know you sort of go through hey new releases okay two hours later you're like i didn't even watch anything (laughs)
0: yeah yeah man con air i feel like there was that window though right like there was like gone in 60 seconds con air face off the rock like there was an era where he was just,
1: and then Snake Eyes is right in that era too. For is it? Just it's for that reference, era? yeah.
0: Oh, crazy. I thought I thought that was newer.
1: No, it's 98. So it's even before Gone in 60 Seconds. So it's like right between that face off Gone in 60 Seconds era. Oh. So it's just like this sort of wild thing that gets dropped in between and kind of falls between the cracks, I guess, because he does such big movies on sort of each side of that. And you're just like, wait, he did stuff in between those?
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Now I, I super need to see that because I really like that era of him. I feel like that was really his stride.
1: Yeah, it is certainly something. And while I was fuzzy on the details there, I definitely remember it was quite the Nicolas Cage performance. But to kind of reel us back in here, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the visual effects in this because like I mentioned earlier, they didn't use a ton of CGI, but the DVD I had had some extras on it. And it went through some of the car chases and just how they made things happen. So you know, when the police car comes out of the alley and the bus crashes into it yeah they used a pulley system to make sure that you know the the car was doing like 60 and the bus was doing like 30 and that they would hit at the exact spot anytime they did the take so it was just this whole pulley system and you even get this sort of behind the scenes look of them using little like Cars to like plan out the scenes instead of using real cars to plan them out. They're just using like little Hot Wheels <laughs> and you Whoa. know, driving around and have like the streets mapped out on a piece of paper or whatever it was. And so they used a lot of practical effects for the actual crashes and even that wrecking ball scene when yeah. Nicolas Cage is driving by and the wrecking ball is swinging the opposite direction. That is CGI. But when it hits the car, it is not CGI. So it's just so crazy how certain CGI things you don't even notice. And honestly, the only CGI moment that stood out to me was when that canister tank was flying all around the shipyard.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking about that.
1: But they did actually throw it through the building because that area was all shut down anyway and sort of being closed down. So it was pretty much a demolition zone. (laughs) So they just threw it... or not through it. They launched it through that wall. But then some of the other aspects were CGI. So it was a little noticeable because it wouldn't whip around naturally like it was in the movie. So you kind of get a sense there that you're like, okay, that's some 2000 CGI. It's okay. It's not great, but it doesn't impact anything that really has to do with the movie because you're so engrossed by that point because you're in the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes, if that.
0: Totally. Yeah. Like that, it's, you were saying all this and it was kind of blowing my mind. First off, the thing that blew my mind is how do you have the digital video disc of this?
1: My parents had it. So (laughs) I was just like,
0: incredible. I love that. That's great.
1: I was like, let's go see if we have this. <laughs>
0: that's amazing. And they do. Yeah. But no, like you're talking about the special features. Like, I, I didn't really think about that. But like action movies in an era before you can fully lean on CGI, that's a lot of work to plan out such a long, extensive car chase. Yeah. So I'm now I'm playing that scene back in my head and I'm just like, damn, that was some work. And him driving through the LA River and like chasing that with helicopters and... The jump over the ambulance, like all of that, yeah, was I, I have more fun facts for
1: you about those please. things in particular. Oh, let's go. don't worry. so the the riverbed scene, it was actually flooded, so they couldn't go as fast as they wanted to. So instead, they filmed it at sixteen frames per second instead of twenty four frames per second. So it looked like the car was going faster than it was. They could only top out it. I think he said, The director said 60 to 70 miles an hour, which, you know, that's plenty fast enough, but that's normal freeway speed in Southern California. So it's not anything super fantastic. And with the jump, part of that is CGI, but the launch and the landing were real. Oh. So they had a stunt driver do the launch, and he launched into a bunch of cardboard boxes, which I thought was interesting. It's like, why not just get a foam pit or something? But I guess cardboard boxes worked well enough. And then for the landing... He was launched off like 20 feet in the air and then came down for the landing. So you have that element to it where you're like, okay, I see that this jump would not be humanly possible. So you have to know in the back of your mind that some part of it is CGI, but usually we kind of assume the whole thing is, but they said they had like 20 precision stunt drivers for this movie in total because obviously when you're driving through the Long Beach LA traffic you're going to need more than one stunt driver one or two stunt drivers because they all need to be stunt drivers so nothing goes yeah, wrong
0: that's amazing yeah like even again like in that first well like driving the 911 through the glass and yeah. there is there there are actually quite a lot of shots that would have had to have been very carefully executed, even driving the Hummer down that parking ramp yeah. and pushing the other car. that I have even more respect for this movie now.
1: <laughs> That's why I kind of like finding, you know, DVD or Blu-ray copies of stuff sometimes because, you know... Streaming is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I subscribe to like 800 streaming services just to watch all of the nerdy things I like to watch. And it's nice, though, when you get those little behind-the-scenes looks or those extras. And I think that's why a lot of companies like Netflix and Amazon are also releasing their shows on Blu-ray now. Because, Mm. you know, I have a copy of the first season of Stranger Things, and it has a bunch of extras that you can't get on Netflix. So, you know, there's incentive to double dip because you're like, yes, I pay for Netflix, but I really want to know all the behind the scenes stuff for, you know, Stranger Things or whatever it is that you enjoy. And it's really cool to know that even back in 2000, they were like, oh, let's give them a look into how some of these crazy car scenes were done. And that final jump, too, was the only time that bridge had ever been shut down up until that point. Because with you living in Southern California, you will also know that traffic is crazy not right at this moment but traffic is usually crazy so shutting any street down in southern california is usually a nightmare
0: yeah whoa let
1: alone a bridge
0: (laughs) that's nuts yeah i didn't even think about that in the dvd and the special features did they say how many stunt cars they had wasn't there like 20 odd gt350 stunt cars in total
1: i don't remember the exact number but i know they had multiples because it showed them actually like building one
0: Mm mm-hmm Yeah, I I knew that there was some crazy number on that too, like out of... Because I think, I want to say that one of them is at the Peterson Automotive Museum or something.
1: That sounds like it could be very likely.
0: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that somewhere in that trivia, they're like, yeah, this is one of 20 and there's only five of them that were, you know, actually fully finished and that weren't just totaled or built as stunt cars. But I think they had to make a lot of them for all the scenes too.
1: Yeah, I would imagine so because... By the end of the movie, that car was pretty beat up.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, all sorts of different... Yeah, as you're watching it, you can kind of think like, yeah, they they need a lot of stunt cars.
1: Yeah, and the fact that they had 20 drivers alone tells you just how big of a production this was from a stunts standpoint. So they had a lot of literally moving pieces (laughs) to this movie. So the fact that it turned out how it did is amazing. And you really get a sense that they just wanted to give you this high intensity, high action movie without having it be action every single time they stole a car.
0: Yeah. Thinking about all of that together and making it work for what they had. More props. More props, Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah. (laughs) Love that. Yeah. Are there any other facts?
1: Not that I can think of. I really just sort of focused on the stunt extras. I was like, okay, there's a few things. I I never really do the commentary just because then that's usually like watching the whole movie all over again <laughs> and getting that, Fair, but yeah. I thought that was just some fun tidbits on, you know, those particular scenes and I'm always super interested in the stunt stuff because usually you can tell especially with movies around this time period what was done in cgi and it was a little harder to tell in this there were some obvious ones where you knew it had to be but it didn't necessarily look all that bad
0: yeah yeah that's a really good point actually comparing this to other 2000s action movies early 2000s 90s action movies it didn't really in watching it again even this year there really weren't too many parts where you're like this is painfully cgi
1: Yeah. And as someone who also hosts a Stephen King podcast and has been watching through a lot of his 90s stuff right now, I'm in like the 97, 98 era. So it's just one of those things where I'm like, oh, this was a TV budget very much so.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah, you must have needed such a high budget to make a movie like this, not CGI. Yeah.
1: I'm really glad that it turned out the way it did with a lot of the practical stuff that they did. Even the police car going through the wall, they literally scored the wall and had it go through the wall with a dummy in it. So you have things like that, that you would just automatically assume would be CGI for a movie like this. And it's not. And I really appreciate when movie makers put that extra effort in and they don't just automatically default to CGI. And obviously it wasn't as good as it is now, back in 2000, or, you know, even 99 when they were probably filming this. But still, I love seeing practical effects today, because I'm just like, these are going to last so much longer from a quality standpoint. And while CGI is super good today, I still watch some movies. And I'm like, hi, guys, this is obviously CGI. Don't, you know, blow your budget. If you're just going to use CGI for everything, maybe try some practical stuff like Star Wars does
0: totally That that's a side that i really didn't think about but i i very much agree and respect that even more now after this conversation that's really cool
1: well i'm glad i could provide you with some of those tidbits but do you have any final thoughts about the movie before we wrap up here
0: i think we covered this thing i think we i think we got into all the all the good bits i learned some stuff we had some laughs this was this was a real treat
1: Awesome. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Gone in 60 Seconds. I'm very glad that you suggested it. And now that I know you love Nicolas Cage movies, I'm sure you'll be back on for (laughs) another one of his or some other fun car movie that we can discuss. And, you know, it was really fun getting to talk about this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We can come back to any Nick Cage films we could go through. I watched the first three or four Fast and the Furiouses before I checked out and had a great time. Uh, I'm I'm here for it. And I'm excited to do an episode with you on my podcast too.
1: Yes. Anyone who wants to check out your podcast, there will be a link in the show notes for that. Maybe my episode will be out by the time you hear this one and you can, you know, listen to both in the same day.
0: Yeah, do a good old podcast binge. (laughs) Awesome. Cool.
1: All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. You can sign up for a dollar a month. That'll get you a thank you on the show. Two dollars a month, you get to pick a topic that myself and a guest will discuss on the show. For five dollars a month, you can join the Welcome to Geekdom Slack group, where you can talk to myself and various guests who have been on the show. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at GeekdomPod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.